Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I think Letter to You is one of his best albums ever. And he's very much still in his prime. He's not one of these older musicians that's just recycling old stuff and trying to recapture the past. He's still very creative and full of energy and doing great new music as well as the classics. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. My new friend, Wendy, is joining me. Wendy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, tell us a little about yourself. I am a freelance writer and have been a Bruce Springsteen fan since my high school days. The very first time I heard his music, I was hooked and have been a a lifelong fan since then. What else do you want to know? That says a lot. I'm going to get back to you hearing Bruce, but I always like to start at the beginning. So tell me a little bit about growing up. Where did you grow up? What kind of music did your family listen to when you were younger? Okay. So I grew up in New Orleans and no one else in my family listened to Bruce. I'm the oldest of six kids. My parents... My mom, I don't really remember listening to much music, period. But my dad, whenever we were in the car, he was a big fan of John Denver and Elvis Presley. Those are the two that really stand out for me, John Denver especially. He had loved, actually played him on eight-track tapes. That really dates me. But So that's what I remember. But what I listened to beginning in high school when I had a choice, I was a Rick Springfield fan. I liked The Goes. I liked Billy Joel. I liked Prince, The Cars, and of course, Bruce. Yeah, once I found Bruce, he was by far my favorite and became the one I listened to most often. When you, growing up in New Orleans, what time period is this? The 80s was when I was in high school. So when okay. Born in the USA came out, that was the album that, that I first heard of yeah. Bruce's. New Orleans, a big city for music. Um, yep. It's one of my favorite cities to visit. So yeah, how long did you live in New Orleans? Most of my childhood, from third grade through the end of my junior year of high school. And where'd you move to after that? My family moved to Shreveport, Louisiana, and then after that, I went off to college in Texas, and I have lived lots of places since then, but yeah, New Orleans is always what I consider my hometown, and my best friend from high school still lives there. What? Where'd you go to school in Texas? Texas Lutheran University. Okay. It is in a little town called Seguin, about 45 minutes from San Antonio. Okay. Yeah, I'm from Dallas. So, okay. Yeah, originally... My parents, my grandparents lived in Rose Pine, Louisiana. I always tend to think I'm from Lake Charles, but yeah, so we've lived in Texas, Dallas since 84. So okay. absolutely. Yes. So you mentioned hearing Born in the USA, but I always like to ask my guests if you can remember that moment where you first heard Bruce's music and what about it spoke to you, Wendy? I'm not sure I can pinpoint the exact moment I heard the first note of the first song, but definitely it was that album when I was in high school 
And I believe it was probably Dancing in the Dark on the radio was the first that I heard before I bought the album myself. My, I'm Like I said, I'm the oldest of six kids. And so my youngest sister, Margaret, is 15 years younger than me. So she was a toddler at the time. And once I had the album and, and played it in my room all the time, sometimes she would come into my room and say, dance Bhutan and hold my hand. And we, I would play Dancing in the Dark and we would dance around the room together. So that's one of my fondest memories. And then another friend of mine from high school that I've lost touch was sense, but she and I together were great Bruce Springsteen fans. And when I was at her house, we would listen to his album together and sing along and just gush about him. But what really drew me to his music was the storytelling. It was so much different than the superficial pop with a beat kind of dance music that others were playing. He actually told stories in his music. And I had always been an avid reader from a very young age. And like I said, I'm now a writer myself. So that storytelling has always been an important part of my life. And so his lyrics just jumped out at me. The title song, Born in the USA, is very much a story that, of course, has been misunderstood by people who don't pay attention to the lyrics. But it's a very powerful story about, about a Vietnam veteran and his experience coming back home and, and so forth. And other stories in it, Glory Days, was another favorite song of mine. And even though I was only in high school at the time, I could somehow relate to the sentiment of looking back later on those days and having a few drinks and reminiscing kind of thing. So I, just everything about it, cover me, every song on it spoke to me in some way, no surrender, you name it. I, I could relate to it in, in some way. And I was just struck by the power of, of his lyrics and his ability to, to tell such compelling stories in such a short amount of time that just drew me in completely and made me love the characters. Did, Wendy, did you, once you're, did you start exploring some of the back catalog? Once you, born in the USA, started learning that? Did Absolutely, you, yes. Okay. It did not take long for me to, to buy every other album. <laughs> yeah. I always like to preface this with the amount of times you've seen Bruce isn't a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. Though I do applaud flying Hawaii to California just to see a show, <laughs> as you shared with me in your email to me. What, when, do you count how many shows you've gone to? I don't count, probably because I'd be depressed because it's nowhere near enough. <laughs> <laughs> what is the, why are you going to four shows on this tour? Because I couldn't get tickets for five. Right. <laughs> exactly. I, I would literally go to every single show of every single tour if it were remotely possible. And even if there were no premieres and he played the exact same set at every single concert, I would still happily be there if I could. Thank you. You jumped ahead to my question about the set list. But before that, I got in a little bit of trouble with my lovely bride. We were talking, this is a few months ago. And she's, they were dreaming. And what would you do if you won the lottery, Jesse? And I said, I'd go to every Bruce show. The next time he toured, I'd go to every show. Every, I just would follow him on tour. I would be there at every show. 100%. Yep. What about me? I'm like, you could go. <laughs> I mean, there's time between shows we could do, but you're asking what I would do. If I had unlimited money, hello, that's what I'm doing. It's Listen. funny you mentioned that because I, I'm married to, I've been married for more than 30 years to my wonderful husband, Steve, and I introduced him to Bruce's music. So he is now a fan of the music, but he's only been to one concert with me and he had a great experience. But the main reason he's only been to one concert with me is because it would cost the same amount of money for both of us to go to one show as it would for me to go to two. <laughs> yeah, we have a little bit of that discussion too, that Linda enjoys going but she is aware that if if she we did she went to me with Dallas and she wasn't go to any other show and then we had a chance to go to Houston she was going to go to Dallas and Tulsa and then we got tickets for Houston and she went with me then I went to Austin by myself um, I was actually at the Austin show myself so we yeah. had the same show. Yeah. And I live in the Houston area. So my heartbreaking story is my husband and I were going to go together on Valentine's Day to the Houston show. Sure. 
And I eagerly anticipated it for weeks. And then I got COVID shortly before the show and gave it to him. So Valentine's night, instead, we were both in bed sick and it was horrible. <laughs> so Tulsa, is that my story? I had, I was so excited. I was going to do Dallas, then Houston, then Austin, and then Tulsa. And we had booked an Airbnb. We were going to make a little weekend out of it because we had gone when they had the Springsteen Live exhibit at the Woody Guthrie Museum last summer or summer mm -hmm. before last. And we went and we had a great time. We really enjoyed Tulsa. It's a beautiful little city. And then I got COVID after Austin. I came home from Austin. That was Thursday night, Friday. I'm like, I don't feel very good. And then Saturday morning, I woke up feeling horrible and grabbed one of the COVID tests. And sure enough, yeah, that's, I was really happy because it was Valentine's night. And I was like feeling a little guilty that I was going to Houston without her on Valentine's <laughs> day. So you did at least get, if I was the priest in Austin. Yes. So you did, you were well enough to go. That's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I went by myself and that was actually, I wasn't expecting to be able to go to Austin. I did not have tickets. Our finances yeah. are not ideal right now. But I shared my shop, sob story with Donna of Bruce Funds. Yes. Wonderful organization who helps Bruce fans who can't afford tickets go to shows. And so I told her I was supposed to go in Houston and I got COVID. And just in case you get any last minute Austin tickets, I could drive there that day. And, mm -hmm. and sure enough, that morning she called me and said, I have one ticket. Do you want it? And of course I said yes and immediately hopped in the car and drove to Austin and so did you go to Austin for the book signing a few years ago? Were you in Houston then? No, unfortunately, I was not here at that time. Okay. I have not ever had the good fortune to go to a book signing or any other event where I could actually shake Bruce's hand or get a picture taken with him or autograph or any of yeah. that. Yeah, I was really, I've told the story multiple times, so I won't say it again. But yeah, I ended up taking a chance, ordering a ticket, got it. And was able to drive from Dallas down to Austin, stand in line, get my get my picture taken with them, my seven seconds, and mm -hmm. then came home. Uh, yeah, I, I that's awesome. Um, if you don't count, and I'm like you, I do count, but I do. I, football players will say, or football fans, like when a team misses an extra point. You feel like you're chasing that point the rest of the game. I feel like we Springsteen fans are like that. It Because I had a guy on God, three or four years ago that talked about seeing Bruce in 75, 76, that time period mm. where John Landau first found him. And he and said- really small venues. Yeah. And he said, if I just known him sooner, I could have seen him in 72, 73. And I was like, it never- we're always wanting, we're chasing more shows. Yeah, so, my heartbreak was that I never got to go to either Springsteen on Broadway, right? Yeah. None of those shows. So yeah, that, that's my most. And actually, until this tour, I had not seen Bruce since 2007. Wow. Because we lived in Hawaii. Yeah. And so except for the one time I did fly to California for the 2007 show, mm -hmm. no, I missed all the others. And that was very difficult. What was, yeah, because he never plays Hawaii. Exactly. He never, because yeah. understandably, but. <laughs> yeah. Did, what brought you out to Hawaii? We went on vacation for our 10th anniversary and absolutely loved it. Promptly went back to Pennsylvania, put our house on the market. As soon as it sold, we quit our jobs and we moved to Maui. <laughs> How fun. That's exciting. Yes, it was glorious. Yeah. Wow. That's that that's pretty brave. There, I could do a whole podcast on just that story. <laughs> that's amazing. All right. So how did you find Spring Nuts? Just recently, within the last year or two. And I'm, I honestly don't remember how I first found it. I somehow on Facebook, randomly, yeah. it probably showed up in my feed because I posted enough about Bruce Springsteen or sure, something like absolutely. that. But yeah. but yeah, I've only been a member for the last year or two, and I haven't been able to go to any of the in-person serenades or other yeah. events or the big pre-concert get-togethers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love the group. Yeah, I do too. I think just... They're just lovely people, and they really just seem to be, I think Howie does a great job, along with Julie, of keeping the BS out 
and it was fun. And when that and the bots and the fake accounts that yeah. immediately pop up on the others, you're my biggest fan. Thank you. Private yeah. message me kind of stuff. Yeah, that's just crazy. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. I did want to hear, there's been a little bit of angst about him not changing the set list up a lot. You've been very clear just already about that. So Sherry, a little more of your feelings on that. I honestly, I'm that I can't believe that people complain about that because my feeling is what a luxury to be able to go to so many shows in a row that you're disappointed that they're so similar. So yeah, like I said, I I would more be more than happy to be at every single show, even if They were exactly the same with no changes at all. Yeah, I'm at, I think I'm at 18 or 19 shows. And I saw three on this tour and I was hoping to do two more. I had bought tickets for Columbus because Linda had said, "You," because I I had talked about he's going to go to Europe, he's going to come back. I would love to see him one more time. And she gave me permission. Okay, you can... Pick what show you want, and we'll find a way for you to go. And then my company has an office in Lake Havasu, Arizona, which is only three and a half hours from Phoenix. I went to my boss and I said, hey, I have airline miles. They're going to expire anyway. If I pay for me to fly to Phoenix to visit the office, will you pick up the hotel room and the rental car? And he goes, yeah, that's a good deal for me. And then in fact, we talked this week and I'm like, I still would like to go to the office. He goes, no, let's just save it. Maybe the next time Bruce is in Arizona, you can go. So, it's so funny you mentioned that because I also had already bought airline tickets, planning to go to the Phoenix show, even though I did not have a concert ticket Yeah, because my birthday is November 29th. So, you know, okay. what better way to celebrate my birthday than yes. the Phoenix show the next day. Yeah, uh, And I had reserved an Airbnb and the whole nine yards. And yes, that was disappointing. But of course, Bruce's health is more important. And I, and he is more important. I, I very much hope I get to see him in 2024. But regardless, I'm glad he's taking care of himself. Yeah, so I don't want to be too controversial. But I do feel like that some of the people 
this is an overgeneralization, so I apologize, Wendy, and you can tell me I'm full of crap if you want, but it feels the people who've seen him under an X amount of time are less worried about set lists than people who've seen him greater than a certain amount, right? It, it just, yeah. and some of them are very, maybe I'm just spoiled. Maybe I've just seen him too many times. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that there have been artists, I, I, there was an artist and I won't name who it is, but I went to see them last summer and they were not doing well physically. And I said, I probably won't go again. I feel I, I almost feel bad, like I'm watching someone in this poor health mm-hmm. try to perform. But it wasn't because I was tired of the set list or anything. Right. I've seen Brad Paisley a couple of times. And the second time we saw Brad Paisley, my wife, that was exactly the same show we saw last year. I was like, there were a couple of songs different. Shows even had the same videos. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, I tend to just enjoy the show because there were so many years... When was your first show? 1985. Yeah. So see, I didn't see him till 2002. Okay. So I missed all those shows and I would love to see him. So let's talk about albums and songs, Wendy. Over the years, is there songs or albums that have a special place in your heart? Badlands definitely has become a real favorite of mine. Janie, Don't You Lose Heart, Jungle Land, of course, who doesn't love Jungle Land? It's just epic. Thunder Road, all of the, the obvious classics. Yeah. Um, trying to think if there are any unique ones that might not. I actually, I, and I know not everyone agrees with this, his latest album, the Only the Strong Survive Soul Covers. Yeah. When I first heard about it coming out, I thought, honestly, oh, no, because now he's going to play a bunch of those covers on this tour that'll take the place of some of the classics. But once I actually heard the songs, I loved every single one of them. I I enjoyed watching him perform them on Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. And then at the Austin show, he did two of them, Night Shift and Don't Lie, Baby You Lie. Yeah. yeah, don't anyway, play that song. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And I love both of those. And they were great live, especially. So I was surprised by how much I liked that album. Yeah, I, I've i had a couple of people say that it was fun, but they won't hear it too often. And I went to visit my mom in Lake Charles a couple of weeks ago, and I made a point of putting in that CD and listening from the start to the finish. And I went, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Absolutely. I probably enjoy Tunnel of Love or Western Stars or Letter to You more. But for what it was, that that was a fun in the car driving down the interstate. That was a great companion to us. Yeah. And I think Letter to You is one of his best albums ever. And he's very much still in his prime. He's not one of these older musicians that's just recycling old stuff and trying to recapture the past. He's still... Very creative and full of energy and doing great new music as well as the classics. Yeah, I agree with you. Letter to you. And I think emotionally, because we had COVID and and the administration and everything that we'd gone yes. through, to hear that, to get that album... I had joked that if we got a new Springsteen album and a new president, 2020 would not be the worst <laughs> year ever. And I think I will always have special. And then we I, we keep losing friends. I lost my brother in February. I had one of my best friends from high school die right mm-hmm. afterwards. And I'll See You in My Dreams continues to be more and more just speaks to my heart. I actually uh, listened to it driving back from my dad's funeral in 2021. Yeah. Yeah, it is that my my brother was in hospice and he was in Houston. And it was in, I think, December. And we spent the day, that was our last time I saw him. And I we spent two or three hours talking. And it was just wonderful because we didn't, we just ignored the elephant in the room 
and just talked. And it was only at the end he said, this may be the last time we see each other. And I'm, you know, he says, and I just, and we said goodbye. And I was listening to Letter to You, especially I'll see in my dreams, just, oh God, you know? So yeah. yeah, I, what, you did tell a story. You wrote, and how we connected is, you sent me a wonderful email talking about, this was my thank you letter to Bruce. But you talked about a show. So if you don't mind sharing that story, I'd love for my audience to hear it. All right. Now, was this the Oakland show? I'm guessing. Yes. Okay. So that was my one and only experience of being in the pit. And these were the days when you just bought a general admission ticket and there was the list, the lottery wristband system. And they pulled one number and you just prayed that it would be close to your number and you would be one of the first allowed in and actually end up in the pit. In my case, the lottery did not go in my favor. I would have been one of the the last in, but I had flown all the way from Hawaii and I was by myself and I was like, you only live once. You got nothing to lose by it, by trying to to bluff your way in, so to speak. So I just got in line with all the, the people lining up to go in the pit as if I belonged there. And I I uh, moved my way through and found a, a group of women and, and stood in the middle of them and, and proceeded to have conversations with them. And so by the time the, the man came by who literally checked every person's wristband by hand to make sure they had the right number, and I was convinced I was going to be found out and, and kicked out of the line, he was going person by person. And there were the five of us women clustered together. And he checked all four of the others, but not mine, because I was like it said in the middle and miracle of miracles. uh, I got into the pit and was close enough that I literally could have jumped up and touched Bruce. And it was by far my best concert experience. And afterwards, a man I don't know that I happened to be standing near, he and I turned to each other and just said that this was the best night of my life. And we both agreed hands down. And every concert I've been to has been wonderful, even though most I've been in the the nosebleeds behind the stage. Obviously, that's nowhere near as as much fun as being in the pit, but it's still wonderful just to be there. Just being in the building sometimes is is always to me, if I can just be in the building, I'll make it work. All right, I'm going to switch caps for a minute. Talk about your writing. Okay. So you mentioned growing up in New Orleans. Were Were you in a family of readers? Yes. Um, like I said, I'm the oldest of six kids. Okay. I was the first, but my parents, I didn't really see them reading, but as a child, they definitely read to me and to all of okay. us. My, my dad would actually read Uncle Remus stories and do the different voices for the different characters. So okay. it was always a fun time together. And, um, you know, my mom read to us. And then from a young age, I just loved reading. I, I read all the Nancy Drew mysteries. I read the Hardy Boys mysteries. I read just about anything I could get my hands on. I would, after I was sent to bed for the night, I would have a flashlight. I would get out under the covers and continue reading when I was supposed to be sleeping. So yeah, I've always been a very avid reader. And starting in in high school, when I had to write papers for school that were English papers where I got to choose and just write a, a short story, fiction, or whatever I wanted to. I really enjoyed that and consistently, you know, got good grades, was told I was a great writer. Um, That continued through college and grad school. In fact, one of my college professors, I have to give a shout out to Dr. Metero at Texas Lutheran. He allowed me to write a paper for class about Bruce Springsteen, analyzing the lyrics of Growing Up. Nice. they, They related to Bruce's actual childhood. Nice. What'd you get your degree in? My undergrad degree is in social work, actually, but but that was an English literature class. Okay. And then I actually have a graduate degree, a master of divinity. My, before I became a freelance writer, I was a minister. In fact, Uh, another Bruce related memory is when I was serving my first parish as pastor of a congregation in Pennsylvania, one of the shows was on the night of our church council meeting. So I informed the council a, a month or so ahead of time. I won't be at this meeting. You can either have it without me or we can reschedule it, but I'll be at a Bruce concert. Did w- what led you to the ministry? 
I actually, that one of my high school English teacher, her husband was a minister and one of my younger siblings went to the preschool day school at that Lutheran church. And so my family started going to church there when I was in high school. Before that, we had gone to a Methodist church and there was a falling out. But anyway, so we started going to that church and that pastor and his wife became like my second parents. I'm still in touch with them to this day. He married my husband and I. He came to my seminary graduation. So he was my role model. He preached at my ordination service. So he inspired me to be a pastor. I just wanted to be just like them. him. I had so much respect and admiration for what a kind, gentle soul he was. So that's how I became a minister. And then, like I said, my husband and I visited Maui and fell in love. And so I stopped being a minister and we moved to Maui and lived in Hawaii for a bunch of years, over a decade, and then went back to being ministers. And that, that brought us back to Texas. And then in basically a combination of Trump and the pandemic ended my career as a minister because I wasn't willing to stay silent about some things that I considered very unchristian that were beginning to be said and done by Christians. So uh, now I'm a writer. (laughs) We're going to get political for a few minutes unless Wendy cuts me off. And so you guys can jump ahead. I was raised in a Southern Baptist church, uh, converted to Catholicism when I started dating my wife. Um, have a complicated relationship with God. Uh, But as a blueberry in a very red strawberry field in Texas, I am, I am disappointed and amazed at the amount of hate and prejudice spouted by people who seem to proclaim that they are Christians. I was taught as a child not to judge, right? But it does not stop them from judging, does it? No. Yeah. And it really... it's more than judging. If it was just judging, maybe it wouldn't be so bad. Yeah. But it's translating that judgment into laws and hate speech and threats and violence and justifying it all, literally waving flags saying Jesus is Lord as you're shouting, hang Mike Pence and and yeah. you know, destroying property and, and injuring police officers. And yeah, that, that was just a bridge too far for me. I, I could not stay silent. And of course, speaking out offended some people in the pews who shared those views. Yeah. I saw a photo of, it was a kind of cartoon where they had a very angel a, a very white looking Jesus sitting next to Trump and in the courtroom right mm-hmm. this is the only way who gotten through this and I don't want to judge but the actions I see this is not what brother Skinner when I was growing up at the Gillis First Baptist Church would call very Christ-like. Yeah, actually, that that's, was my main impetus for being a writer is that I felt like I, I have to speak out about this from my perspective. And so one of my first articles in the Texas Observer, if, if you're familiar with that sure. publication, I've had several articles in it, but one of them was why Christians must denounce Christian nationalism. And yeah, it's just so obviously the exact opposite of everything Jesus taught and modeled and Yeah. And I absolutely agree that, and we're going to get back in music in a minute, but right, the twisting of scripture, which goes back to the 40 days in the desert where Jesus was faced these trials. And one of the things was Satan twisted the scripture to tempt him, right? And I see this all the time, people twisting scripture, yet ignoring other ones. And and, and I am also smart enough to know I don't know. And But I know that people who are different than me, people who believe different than me, people who are of different, you know, beliefs in sexual orientation and races and colors all deserve kindness. That's, exactly. Love you your know, neighbor as yourself. You can't get more basic than that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so thank you for shout, bringing that out. And also, that's another reason I admire Bruce actually getting back to him was yeah. that he was willing to publicly support Obama and 
play for the inauguration. And he, some fans were really angry about that, but although I don't think he actually lost any fans, I remember being at a concert and Bruce made a comment about immigration, yeah. uh, supporting immigrants and yeah. some guys standing next to me basically said, shut up and, and play when booed and yeah. so forth. But they didn't walk out of the concert. <laughs> yeah, I know they all want to say shut up and sing. But I always go, have you not followed this guy for a long time? Yeah. Do you know the lyrics of the yes, song? Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, have we did that? And I do feel this another guy that I, Jason Isbell, is very vocal on Twitter and a lot of times, because he has a more country artist, there are a lot of people like, Jason, you're losing, you know, you're losing fans. And he's, if those are the fans I'm losing, I'm okay with it. Yeah. And, and once again, it's just the time. I want to go back to you. One of the things on your website is handling stress and handling things, because these are dark times, Wendy. Yes. I, I, I worry about everyone's self-esteem and their feelings. So talk a little bit about that. So, yeah. So like I said, my bachelor's degree is in social work. And then uh, I was a pastor for a few years, more than a few years. And so I, I counseled people dealing with various situations and grieving and strained family relationships and the whole nine yards. And I myself have a, a lifetime's worth of experience of living with depression and anxiety, which of course has been much worse think, during the pandemic and, and yeah. the upheaval of the last few years. And so I, I have a lot of knowledge, both intellectual knowledge from research and from conversations with therapists and lived experience. And I wanted to help people by sharing that and help further reduce the stigma. That's another thing I admire about Bruce is his honesty about his own depression. He writes about it in his in Born to Run, the autobiography, and has spoken about it during interviews. And yeah, I mean, I just think it, it's so much healthier for me and for the world, for all of us to just be real about our struggles and not have these fake highlight reels as if our social media photos and vacations and happy smiley is, is our entire life. It, it's not for anyone. Yeah, my when people ask me for my favorite Bruce song, I say there's two, though I've been asked to be on a podcast where we're going to do a 20 song playlist. Mm -hmm. I get to pick 10. The co-host, the host of the podcast gets to pick 10. And I reached out to Twitter and some people I said, okay, you guys want to give me and I got a lot of cursing. I can't pick just 20, Jesse. This is madness. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and I like, yeah, and I only get 10. But better days in Land of Hope and Dreams. And yes. to me, better days also, yes. Yeah, Both of those are very important to me too. Yeah, because better days to me is the thing that these are the better days, even in the middle of suffering, even in the middle of, I, we were thinking today, October 4th, 2017, I went to the doctor and they said, okay, all the tests come back. It looks like your cancer's gone. There's no blood clots. We'll be able to take out your port. And, but even when I was getting chemo and fighting colon cancer, I played better days. These are better days shining through. And I um, love the line about I'm halfway to heaven and just a mile out of hell. And I yes. feel like I'm coming home. Yeah. Oh, gosh, just so beautiful. So I think one of the things I saw on your website is a toolkit. Tell me a little bit about that. Depression and anxiety survival kit. Yeah, it's a PDF download that consists of uh, a collection of articles that I've written the one of them is living with depression and learning to challenge its lies, which is a look inside my own head and some of the negative thoughts that I've learned to challenge. And that seemed to be universal as I've spoken with so many other people that battle depression, how easy it is to come to believe that we have no worth, especially if our depression is bad enough that we're not able to work or we're not able to clean the house or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. We don't feel productive because our society constantly reinforces the message that your, your work is your worth. Your achievements are what matter and what get rewarded. And therefore, if you're sick or what for older or whatever and can't produce, then you have no value. 
And so that's just such a destructive message. And, and so many of us internalize it. And the schools, of course, reward achievement. I was the, the straight A kid that got all the academic awards and scholarships. And that was all great. And it was great when I had a professional career that I was respected for and got praised for my sermons. When that all falls apart, you, you have to look at, okay, who am I really? And what are my values? And what do I want out of life? Even though society says I'm supposed to want fame and riches and praise and approval or whatever. I want to help people. I want to just live my life and be authentic and write and tutor kids and just do things that society as a whole may not see as that valuable, but that mean the world to me and to the people that I help by sharing my story. I also have in, in the survival kit, there's one article about how to help someone you love who's dealing with depression. Because I, my, my husband went through at least as much hell as I did. And my family, my mom and, and siblings, they meant well, but they said some things that actually made things worse instead of better. And so I share in there, don't say these things to someone you love is going through depression and, and do this instead. And then there's also like practical how-to tips of things to do to feel better when you're depressed or anxious. Just really yeah. simple things that anyone can do like listening to music. I, my husband knows when I need some cheering up, he pops a Bruce Deep concert DVD. And yeah, that, that helps a lot right there. Yeah. And uh, just getting outside, walking around, movement of any kind. There, there's a, a practice called tapping also that, that I, I talk about. That, that's, it's a physical practice in, that's very helpful in reducing anxiety and dealing with a whole host of other issues. Journaling is a key part of my life as is making a gratitude list. And anyway, so those are the kinds of things that are included in the kit. It's a PDF download on Gumroad. And it's one of the links on my main portfolio site and on my Substack site as well. So anybody can get it free. It's just a donation type thing. So I'm very grateful for the people that are willing to donate and, and help me continue to be able to do this work. But I yeah. also want it to be free for people who need it and can't afford it because I've been there. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I'm going to check it out. I'll include the link in it. And you also are a published author. I am. Yes. I wrote a book called Timeless Truths for Troubled Times that's available on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle edition. And that one I actually wrote about a decade ago. And it was little did we know. Yes. <laughs> just how troubled the times would become. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but even then I, I, I shared in that book, some my own experience of depression and just life's challenges. At one point, my husband and I were both unemployed at another point, our cat was dying and we had to feed her intravenously almost uh, daily and, and so forth. And, just things like that kind of everyone's life has some hardship in it at, to varying degrees at various points. And so it was, it was a Christian devotional book and yet it wasn't the usual, let, let's quote a positive Bible verse and say a few quick things about how everything happens for a reason or whatever platitude. It, it was deeper than that. It was honest vignettes from my life or in my experience as a pastor that helping other people and then questions for people to either journal about or discuss in, in a book club type group. So yeah, that was the book I wrote. And then I also did a, a really short ebook called The Butterfly Principles, using butterfly as an acronym for steps to transform your life. Those were both, yeah, like over a decade ago. But since then, yeah, I've, I've mostly been writing articles, both on Medium and for the Texas Observer and other media outlets. What's next for you? What do you want to do next besides get to a brew show? My other love is traveling uh, right before COVID hit and we lost our jobs as pastors and everything changed. Yeah. Uh, my husband and I had planned our dream vacation to Australia to celebrate our 30th anniversary. Okay. And had been looking forward to that for a long time, planned it in a lot of detail, already put a deposit down on the trip. And then, of course, COVID happened, and then we had to use all the money we had saved for the trip to move and get an apartment and the whole nine yards, and we're still rebuilding financially at this point. But so travel was, would be the other big thing I would do if, if I uh, could. 
And then career-wise, I really do want to be a full-time writer as my primary source of income combined with other, like I call it mental health guide. I, I just recently started a website, mymentalhealthguide.com, where I offer as a service if people want to just have a one-on-one -on -one phone conversation or via email, just talk to someone who's been there and I make it clear I'm not a trained medical or mental health professional. I'm just a person with lived experience of this who can empathize and uh, have years of training of being a good listener and helping other people. So those are the kinds of things I want to do and maybe develop some courses as well, digital, other digital products. And then I am also, I have a part-time job, very part-time, about 10 hours a week as a tutor, one-on-one -on -one with children, both elementary, young elementary school kids, all the way up to high schoolers preparing for the SAT. So that's very rewarding as well. So yeah. That's I do got to have to go back when you were doing sermons. Did you skip, did you slip in Springsteen lyrics sometimes? I'm sure I did on uh, once or twice at at okay. least. Yes. Okay. Uh, Good certainly, for you. Uh, whether I quoted him in a sermon or not, it, certainly anyone who spent more than about five minutes with me knew that I was a Springsteen fan. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. All right, I'm gonna we're gonna wrap up. I have a couple more questions, but you did share with me that your husband has a unique ringtone on your phone. Correct. Yes. And uh, I'm not as tech savvy as he is. So he actually downloaded it to make it happen for me. But yes, yeah, so when my husband calls me on my cell phone, I hear from Born to Run, Wendy, let me in. I want to be your friend. I want to guard your dreams and visions. I love that. Every anniversary I play Linda, let me be the one because my wife's name is Linda. Ah, perfect. And I always say that, and I'm so glad she did. All right, you have such a giving heart. I almost feel bad asking this, but are there songs you're still chasing? Are there songs when we get to see him in next year? We've established you are not picky about a set list, but if you were being selfish, Wendy, are there a few songs that you want to hear live? There are a zillion songs I want to hear live, but <laughs> yes. like I said, Better Days might be one. I've Jane never heard that either, heart. yeah. Rendezvous, I like a lot. Ooh, yeah, that'd be good. Um, uh, racing in the street yeah like i said there's there's nothing i wouldn't want to hear sure <laughs> any final thoughts Touch is another one of his songs i like and i think i i may actually have heard that one live at, at some point but okay but yeah i love the line about you can't shut out the risk and the pain without losing the love that remains we're all riders on this train uh, yeah just that's yeah good stuff any final thoughts before i get to the mary question I guess one final thought would be, as I was growing up, you, you asked about my first concert, and it was born in the on the Born in the USA tour. It was in Dallas, and uh, my family lived in Shreveport at the time. And my mom was kind enough to drive me three hours each way to Dallas, and I did not have a ticket yet when she made that trip. She, I asked her later, how in the world did I convince you to do this? And she said, I just felt so sorry for you because we moved right before my senior year of high school. And so I was devastated and didn't have any friends my senior year, didn't go to prom, the whole nine yards. So that's how it came to be. But yeah, she drove me three hours each way to Dallas to see Bruce. So she deserves kudos for that. That is a gold star, mom. That is absolutely, that's wonderful. All right. I'm going to include the link where you can go find Wendy's stuff. But before I get you out of here, we got to ask you the Mary question. Jay Armstrong is a retired honors English teacher. But when he was teaching, he would give his class the lyrics to Thunder Road. They would read them. They would discuss them. And then he would ask the class at the end of the day, does Mary get in the car? Wendy, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? I say absolutely yes. And there are a few reasons for that. The, the lyrics throughout the song make it clear that he has shown up on her porch before and wanted more interaction than, than she's been willing to have with him. And then the, towards the end, it ends with, it's a town full of losers. We're pulling out of here to win. And always before that, it's referred to her and him separately. They're not a, as a we. So I think that's one clue. But also just the fact that she said no before and she's she. The song kind of conveys the sense of 
desperation and disappointment with life and things not working out. And he's giving her a chance at escape and a better life. And it says, it's a town full of losers. We're pulling out of here to win. And so I think, yeah, she decides what the hell I got nothing to lose. This is worth taking a chance on. I love that. I love that so much. All right, Wendy, remind us where we can find you. Biolink.com. Or actually, I take that back. Bio.link slash my name, Wendy Gordon. And I spell it with an I, W-E-N-D-I-G-O-R-D-O-N. Okay. And then my uh, Changing Lives mental health newsletter on Substack is just wendygordon.substack.com. And of course, if that fails, uh, I'm always in Spring Nuts on Facebook. You can find me there. Okay, that sounds good. Wendy, this was such a joy. Thank you so much for spending time with me this evening. I appreciate it. Thank you for being a fellow blueberry in this very strawberry state. Yes, uh, it's, it's hard, but uh, It is work. very hard. <laughs> I've told this to other people. I had a couple of people that were afraid to be on the podcast with me. They're like, there's this this white guy from Texas. I don't know if we need to be on the podcast <laughs> with them. And I was like, no. And so, yes, I appreciate you helping to fight the good fight and to do the right things. So thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So listeners, go check out the link. Go sign up for the website newsletter. Remember, if we open up our hearts, love won't forsake us. Just let the music take us and carry us home. Listeners, be safe, be kind. We'll talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.